Listen, we're amateurs. That's right. We we get a break. (laughs) So I was thinking about uh, the Ash Wednesday thing. And um, right away, I wanted to like educate. Right. So my first knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, I've never been through Ash Wednesday. You teach me and then we'll teach other people. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And then I realized I don't want to make it... I'm all about education, all about learning and research and everything, but I don't want to put any pressure on either of us to like have to be right or have to do research or whatever. I have figured out in the last couple of weeks that I think we should just talk, just unload, which is kind of what we did in the first one. And that was really received well, right? been a rough couple of weeks has it <laughs> really stressed out That's... and I I couldn't tell you why really I mean I can but you don't have three hours <laughs> yeah but how was your trip it was stressful as well I've been very stressed yeah. too so yeah I just feel okay. like I'm just barely staying afloat <laughs> so. yeah yeah uh, apparently that seems to be the consensus lately just in general, I'm. Let's start. I'm Carolyn. I'm Faith. And this is Faith Forward with open minds and open hearts. So, last time we talked about uh, the fact that we wanted to discuss our um, Reiki sessions and our tarot sessions. Um, and we will 100% get to that. Because that's the fun, juicy stuff that we're like excited to talk about. But um, for the sake of the journey, I want to talk about a little bit um, hiccups in the road of deconstruction. So, which is happening right now for me. Uh, and I sent you a video a couple, like a week ago or something, about with a woman who was describing evangelicals who deconstruct and how they take their ideas of their fundamentalism and then put it into their new ideas. And Mm -hmm. so of course that resonated because I've joined a new church and I've like thrust myself upon them and I've been super involved and like, I even want, I even want to pursue leadership if I can. But also when I saw that video, it kind of took me aback and I was like, oh my God, like they're right. I'm being extreme. I'm just being extreme somewhere else. So I kind of panicked a little bit. And, um, you know, when I sent you that video, you said that that you've come across that before. So can you like expand on that for me? Just because as someone who's doing it right now and just, just became self-aware of what, what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that, I mean, when I first started deconstructing, I luckily found an online group to do that with. So there was, at the time, it was kind of a small group, and now it's huge. But back back then, it was about 50 or so people. And after you're you're in it for a while, you start to see the same uh, conversations happen as people are going through the same, you know, process. It's just, you know, and as I got further down the road and could look back, you see the same recurring themes. And one of them was this... um, you see people come out of evangelicalism and they start to, to see the limitations of it. And then they, um, 
instead of what they do is they instead of they, they switch their um they switch they just switch beliefs like what they're believing instead of how they're believing and that really is the fundamental difference um in a progressive approach to christianity um that really is the liberating part when you can get to it when you can uh, instead of looking at your beliefs and um which are you know are important but it's more important how you believe so if you can believe with an an openness and a loose uh gripped way to believing i don't know yeah no i i'm i agree and i think because i walked in there with this idea that I had already thought outside the box from my past church that um, I was ahead of the game, which mm -hmm. in some respects I, I was because I did think outside. And so when I went into this new space, it wasn't that my beliefs are extreme. It's, I think for me, it's my behaviors are mimicking like what I used to do. So <clears throat> Two different people asked me what my goal was when I said I'd like to be a leader. One was the pastor and one was um, one of the guys in my book club. My knee-jerk reaction is, well, like you guys have this amazing view of Christianity and how to worship and all this stuff. And I want other people to know and I want it to go forward. And I know that there's certain people that don't want it to go forward. And so in my mind, I wanted to be part of the team that stops those people from trying to hinder this progressive process, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I want to have a vote. I want to have a say. And I want to have not the sense of power, like I want to be in control, but like I want to protect this idea that that the majority of this church agrees with like which is inclusivity and 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 accepting everybody right. um but then I started to, to crack a little in this pursuit because I started like I have been getting to know members and I've joined clubs and I'm like I'm in the gospel choir now I'm in a book club cool. I'm in I've done um some of their the gay straight alliance stuff in there and, and, a, and tech team, I've just put my name out everywhere. And I had a feeling this would happen, that it would eventually, everybody would be like, okay, now, all right, you gave us your name, like, let's do this. And I'm like, shit, uh, uh, it's just too much, right? <laughs> no, it's a lot, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. did it to myself. Yep. But, you know, I'm like, I'm looking at it like, well, am I approaching it the same way that the last place would have? And the last place... Um, you know, numbers are important. And I know that's important for analytics for a church. If looking at a business side, and I do appreciate the business side of any church because you need money and you need bodies to mm -hmm. keep it running. So, yeah. but I think it was so ingrained in me how to get people in mm. and keep them and, and not in a maniacal way, in a way that's right. like, you know, it's yeah. just such a freaking fine. Everything is a fine line with it, this. It really, ev yeah. <laughs> everything. I, yeah. I mean, I just, what I keep listening to you talk about this. I know, cause I've been through this, like I've been through this cycle of, uh, you know, going from an evangelical church that was very, um, and 
and, and it was it was done in the most well-meaning way of looking at numbers really you know as they looked to yeah. grow um and then but but then questioning that and going should that even be a focus because as soon as that's a focus then that affects everything that you how you do everything so right. yeah yeah it is very subtle isn't it um but i think the over the 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 Let's see that like the most overarching difference is this element of um, not having to be right. Realizing that I am not in possession of the only right way. And when you come up against those, those, um, those other people who think other than you, if I can enter into that, whatever that might be at the moment, enter into that with an openness and a willingness to hear from them and to realize that we're not always going to end up on the same side of things and then find an acceptance of them and me where I am. That's that looseness I'm talking about, like a firm hold, but loosely at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know, we talked about the dance and, you know, last time and it's this push and pull and this leading and going and it's, I guess it's, in my mind, I thought, well, I am fine with disagreeing with people, but my urgency comes from a place where I feel like this justice, this um, Justice League feeling of, mm -hmm. I need to do something about people that don't want others to think outside of what they think. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so there's, we have this congregation of 200 people there's 13, 13 out of 200 that are starting all sorts of shit. And, um, and, and, and every person that I've talked to out, outside of those people, every person without even bringing up this group of people has said to me, oh, I love our church and I love this and we would do this. But there are some dot, 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 who? Mm -hmm. So I know that it's I know that it's hurting these people and their mission and what they've worked so hard to accomplish. And um, it just makes me sad because, you know, I look at the way things were at the last place and yes, it was, and I use this term so loosely, a dictatorship, but it was, it was a dictatorship. It was, you know, um, this is how it is and this is how we're going to do it. And so you know, I was talking yesterday with the pastor about like this dual mindset. Well, evangelicals have this, this is right. And this is wrong. So, you know, where your boundaries are. Mm -hmm. So now I'm in a place where uh, those boundaries are kind of like, you know, they're yeah. not really there. So, right. so when I had, when I went go from a dictatorship where I know what to expect, even if I don't agree with them, I know what to expect. I know what mm -hmm. they think. I know what they're expecting me to think whether I agree or not. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a place where like, it's kind of like a grab bag. You do your own thing. There's not one real religion here. Yeah. Um, the guy, this, the, the guy that asked me at the book club, you know, why I wanted to be a leader. He was like, you know, like, I don't even identify as a Christian, but he's super active in the church. I said, okay, well, what do you call yourself? And he's like, well, I'm more of a Buddhist, mm -hmm. but he's, at service he's at prayer he's at the book club you know like he's yeah he, he's doing this and centering prayer which i've started to do i've only done it twice three times um which i i really enjoy um but i i can't really do it by myself 
I'm not there yet. I, I need to be led in, um, Mm -hmm. which, which correlates with the Reiki and, and things like that, which we'll get to. Um, so I think it's important to, while the issues are here and while I'm feeling these and going through it in real time Mm -hmm. to take the time to talk about it, because that's what we're here for. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm in this place now where, you know, ideas are different. And, um, I, I was at a Bible study last week and the question was, how did Jesus die to the old self? Right. And nobody said anything for a minute. And I, you know, very confidently because I thought, oh, I know the answer to this. Mm -hmm. Um, well, Jesus didn't die to his old self. He was perfect. He was perfect, right? He, according to the scripture, he did not sin. He, you know, we die to the old self when we become baptized or whatever. And, um, and we died to our old sins and to our, our, our past problems. And, and we are making a choice to follow God. Right. Mm-hmm. And that room was like, they were quiet for a minute. I think just cause they were thinking about it, but in my head, I was like, wait, is this not something that they believe? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know, like right. now, because I'm in a place where it's kind of like up for interpretation. Yeah. I say things very, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, is this what they believe? Are they, you know, and they kind of agreed with me. And so I, I, you know, I asked pastor yesterday, I'm like, is this accurate? Like, did I get that wrong? She was like, no, no, that's, that's legit. But in that moment, I realized like, I don't know who, I don't know what audience I'm talking to. Yeah. I think you were, you're, you're talking about how, um, how I don't know what, what my audience is because I don't know what everybody believes and we're not all on the same page. So what's okay to say and what's not. And you know, right. Right. Yeah. Interestingly enough, that was one of the things that kind of started to irk me. One of the, those little, you know, points that, kind of pushed were pushing me out of evangelicalism as I started to go into leadership positions and I'd be in small groups um, and was really disturbed by um, when I was in leadership the amount of searching for the right answer there was from other people and looking to me as if I I mean like it was just like an automatic when somebody was in a leadership position to like default to like well, what is the right answer about this? Like, there's always a right answer. And I um, felt really uncomfortable with that because I don't feel like I'm in possession of the answers, number one. I mean, that's just like an insecurity thing on my part. But then uh, number two, <clears throat> as I started to think about it, um, realizing that that none of us is, it's not, I mean, I really started to question what is truth? What mm-hmm. is truth? <laughs> and I mean, that's like a fundamental thing that humans have struggled with for, you know, ever. And so many conversations on it, but I think when I it came down to after looking at it, there's, there's just no way that us as humans can come to a full knowledge of truth. We have a very limited scope of vision, and so we need others, other um, you know, no. little inputs from other people to be able to get a fuller picture of what the truth is. And so um, 
I started to see my my role as in leadership to be more as inviting that conversation. What do you think about this? How do you view this? Because then hopefully us together, all of us together in our views and our experience, past experiences, the way we see things, we can get a fuller idea of what truth really is. Um, so, but that's, I mean, but that's very much a mindset in evangelicalism is that there is one right truth and we're always looking for that. And we default to the leadership and we default to the Bible to tell us, and we don't take stock in our own experiences and views and what we see as truth, which is just <coughs> as important. But we were also told not to. Right, because we're not, uh, yes, because we have a sinful nature and our heart is deceitfully wicked. Not just that, we didn't go to five, seven years of schooling. We didn't study theology and read all the books. Well, and... interestingly enough, a, m many evangelical <laughs> pastors never went to, to divinity school either. Oh, yeah, so, that makes sense. You know, <laughs> so that's kind, of, that's kind of funny that, you know, oh, well, my I guys don't know. did. My, my past guys, they did. They both yeah, they... went together. That's where they met. A perfect love story. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> Uh, they went to North Point Bible College. So when I hear that, you know, and, and it, my, the, the, the pastor I have now also went to school. So in my mind, I think, well, these people studied, mm -hmm. they, and while I did trust the old pastors and like, you know, I trust that they went through this. Number one, they went through school 40 years ago. This pastor went to school 10 years ago or 15 years ago, you know what I mean? And, um, and it was two different ideas, but I think to myself, well, these people have put hours and hours and hours into studying the Bible, the gospel, sure. and where, so that's where it, that comes from. But then of course, yes. Well, that's um, legit. I mean, you, you always defer to people who've had more education yeah. for maybe a better understanding of things. That's fine. But yeah. But I think in the last place it was like, well, you take his word for it because he is in charge, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and if you're not allowed to go with your feelings and work through your feelings, or like, I feel like God's telling me this or God's moving me to do that. If you're not allowed to do that, well, then all you have is his word. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So now I'm in a new place that I'm like, do I, I have no problem questioning things. I just, I am finding that there are things that I didn't think to question. Mm -hmm. So like that answer that I gave at the Bible study. And like, when I was met with just like these blank stares, I was like, did I get that wrong? Like, and yeah. then I thought, what else do I not know? Which of mm -hmm. course is a bigger question, which is of course why I'm not sleeping at night because mm -hmm. who can answer that? How do yeah. I know what I don't know? I know that, that's a big responsibility that I can't really sustain. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, you can't take that on. <laughs> <laughs> and yet here I am trying. So yeah. what's going on? I don't know. Oh, I know. <sighs> so, yeah, it is unnerving though, because, um, there's, there's a certain, um, group consensus that you can, you can kind of 
come into at evangelical churches where you know the right terms to use and the right wording to use and you know when you say those things you'll get these little head nods and head bobs about oh yeah you're right on sister whatever amen. you know amen Preach. and you know as long as you you say it the right way and you know that to get that affirmation and that's a real comforting thing but so when you go to a new place wherever whatever is new and you're not sure what those boundaries are and what's okay to say and whether you're going to say like the wrong i still get that when i when i talk about um you know issues that were never addressed in the evangelical church like gay people or racism or when i'm entering into conversations like that i get my blood pressure goes up because i'm like oh my gosh i'm going to say the wrong thing and i'm going to oh. offend somebody because i don't have experience with it right right <laughs> so um I think that's normal when you're just entering a new space and and it takes it takes boldness and courageousness to really enter into those unknown spaces where you don't know and you risk making a fool of yourself and you risk people thinking, you know, oh, she's pretty closed minded to try to become open minded. So. Right. It, yeah, I think it was easier before because the first like three or four months in, I only dealt with like one to two people. And now that I've done this, like I've made this goal of meeting somebody new every week and spending time with them and getting their views and, and, and um, really getting to know them. Now I'm involved in their personal lives and, and not completely, but they know who I am. I know who they are. And so now it's like, okay, it's easy when I know that I'm dealing with one or two people who are open-minded and, you know, they're telling me this is a safe place to mess up. And then it's another thing to add 15 more people into that group and go, are they also as understanding, you know? Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it was reiterated to me even just yesterday that it is a safe place. And in my mind, I know that. And I know that there's going to be people that are gonna be a thorn in my side but even if that happens I know it's I know it's not as bad as I think in my head it's this is just my trauma response flaring up in a really intense way so how and do it's you, what, what, what do you mean by trauma response like what what does that come from is it just like I now that I'm friends with these new this new church friends with people there and like like spending time outside of church with them like going out to dinners and lunches and things like that um i i'm building my community and i just lost a whole community so okay. i'm excited and they're excited to talk to me and we're excited to learn about each other and share ideas but then when I'm home alone or I'm in the car, or I'm alone with my thoughts, it goes to how long will it last? When will I say something that they think is obscene <laughs> and not talk to me? I've already dealt with at least one person who I don't want to deal with anymore. I'll probably have to deal with that person anyway, multiple times, but I've already decided like, that's not a safe person. I don't want to deal with that person which is fine. That's not where the trauma is coming from. Maybe a little because she's a little bit aggressive, but, um, but it's more in like the people that I'm now caring for and loving. Cause I'm thinking 
okay, you know, in my rational mind, I know these people are more open-minded and they're more understanding and they are in tune with their feelings. And like, it makes sense on paper, but then I go home and I go, okay, like, is this going to fall apart? How, when, when is it going to fall apart? Is it falling apart right now? And what am I doing? Am I doing everything right? Because now people are saying, you know, the more I share my ideas, like, hey, I want to be in leadership. I've had a couple of people be like, wait, try and wait a minute, like slow down. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, they don't believe in me. They don't, they, they're not taking me seriously because I'm young or they're not taking me seriously because I'm new and they think I don't know. But really it's, it, it came from a place of like really sound advice, like wait, watch, wait and watch in the wings mm-hmm. and, and get your bearings about you. And I think because I didn't do that, now I'm tripping over my own feet. And I'm like, and that, that overstimulation is rushing in and that's where the trauma comes in and the trauma response of going, of panicking and this anxiety that I'm living with, um, which is extreme. I mean, extreme. The last couple of days has just been extreme. I, I mean, I was able to sleep last night and I think it's because I was able to do the centering prayer mm-hmm. and I was with people all day yesterday that like took turns calming me down. Like Mm -hmm. I know enough about my, I am very self-aware enough where I know like when I feel myself starting to spiral before it gets to an extreme place, I need to call and help. Mm -hmm. So I spoke with my sister-in-law, um, a friend from the church, um, called me, um, who's, who's also a therapist. So like he, he saw the sign of me. All I said was, you busy? And he was like, what's going on? <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> like you got me, which is great. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they're allowing space for me to go through this. And, and I, I guess sometimes I just feel like this part should be over already. Yeah. And I, I probably have said that before and I'll probably say it a hundred times. Like, all right, I've been gone for like almost seven months now. I've been with yeah. this new place for seven months But once in a while, I'll see a picture of somebody pop up on somebody else's feed and I'm like, ooh, or like I'll drive by the old church because like I have an appointment down there and I'm like, ugh, I see their cars. It just, it floods, it floods me because I, I think about how poorly they look at me now. Yeah. And I know that I shouldn't care, but those are people that I love and I know that they're looking at me like I'm lost like I'm a jerk, like I'm a villain. I know. know. Isn't that, it's just, it's so hard. I I went through the same thing. I, and you know, and it's, it's, our personalities are different. So like, I kind of just fade it out, right? That's kind of how I do things. I just kind of like fade out. I don't confront or say anything to people. But I still know because I was so active that there was probably, I, I mean, in my mind, nobody ever said anything to me. Like, and I know, but I know because I've been them before and seen people fall away, fall away, right? Um, yeah, fall away. That, that I know what they're thinking, like, oh, I got to pray for her. I've got to, you know, and it's just, it's just so hurtful. And um, to know also that there wasn't a place for me really in their lives apart from just seeing them on Sundays or like it wasn't anything beyond that. Yeah. 
and it hurt more than I really ever expected to. I thought, you know, this isn't for me anymore. That's okay. I'll walk away or slowly walk away. Um, and I'll let certain people know where it's appropriate, what's going on. I don't want right. to make a scene. I don't want to make a fuss, whatever. Um, but um, it took me years not to say that. And I hate to say that to you because I know you're going through this, but it took me years and I couldn't, I would say that to my, this to my husband. I'm like, I can't believe how hurt I am about this. Um, and there would be certain interactions I would have with, with church members. Maybe I saw them on a walk and I'd start talking about church and, and I come mm -hmm. home and I'd be like close to tears. I'm like, what's the, what the heck is this just church? It's not my family. Like it's, and so I kept on going, like not giving myself but it enough was. credit, but it was, yes. It was your family. But I'm not, but it, I'm not like, I also wasn't like the, um, the most, I'm not like a super social person. So it's not like I was like hanging out their houses all the time or calling them all the time or <laughs> like whatever. me. Yeah. Yes. Well, you were yeah. more social. Yeah. And, um, but it still, still was a big connection for me. It was, it was hard. Probably took think, me two to three years to kind of be okay. I saw something the other day that, uh, a girl was online and she said, it takes three to five years to recover from burnout. So, and she was talking about any burnout, like a job or in our case, a church to kind of recover from what happens there. So you, you were a leader, you were involved. Um, yeah, you weren't like having parties or anything, but you were involved. And, and I kind of left the same way. I didn't make a big thing. I did set aside two hours for each pastor to explain to them what I was doing and why I was going only because I was so close with them. But I, I had friends that I thought were like my besties and they were like, I'll still talk to you. There was like one girl, one or two people out of all for someone like me who who was in was in everybody's face sat in the second row i mean did all the things i had the same i, I had the same response from people is that and, and people who the very few people who knew that i was just going to leave were like i'll still make time for you and then suddenly there was no time and that time never came it, I think it was just easier for them to walk away. And I, and I've told you this in the past, it took two months for anyone outside that immediate circle who knew what I was doing to even say something. And it was like one girl, one girl, because I was very close with her kids. And I'm going to guess that maybe her kids were asking for me, like, where's Miss Carolyn? Like, you know, so it's, I was telling somebody this story and she started crying when I told her that I was like, yeah, nobody noticed. And she was like, I hate that. I hate that. I go, it's okay. And she goes, you know, like I'm comforting her. And she's like, no, that's, that's not right. And I'm like, I know it's not right. And that's, it only validates our reason, but it also church wasn't just church for either of us. Even if you weren't super, super tight knit with people, you had a place there. And the number one thing they try to do there is make you feel so important and so valued. You know, I, I said this yesterday, 
Um, my pastor would always say, oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I heard I'm proud of you all the freaking time when I was doing the things that they liked me doing. I'm proud of you. You prayed out loud for the first time. I'm proud of you. You um, joined ministry. You, I'm proud of you. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. And then I noticed when I started, you know, projecting my own ideas that um, that praise was not that I'm, that was gone. And even in my last meeting with the pastor, he, he used to always say at the end of the session, when we chatted, which was like hundreds of times, um, you know, he would always say, you're loved and pray for me. And he didn't say that at the last meeting. And I, it was not lost on me. You know, I think he felt like, like he didn't do his job, you know, that I think is residual leftover trauma. And I think like when we run into these people or we see their faces on online or something, that is a trigger, you know, and it's, it reminds us like, oh, those people are still showing up every week, hugging and loving and telling somebody else how important they are. And they don't mean it because now you're, now I'm sitting here feeling a little bit resentful. Like you talked about how you poured so much love into me and, and how you did all this work with me. And then like you were done and it was over. Yeah. It's interesting to hear that that happened to you mm-hmm. because I, I expect it with me because I'm so intense and I, I need so much from people. Like I know how needy I am. I know how much of their energy I can take. Mm-hmm. So it also brings light to me that for you who who are not confrontational to have the same kind of experience well I I think if we look at our similarities here and I think this kind of thing is important to do right um what is it about us that opens us up to that kind of um relationship that's not healthy so have you ever heard that you know the term codependency right uh, yes, codependent. Um, mm-hmm. You're kind of really enmeshed in another person's well-being, and this, this, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you're like always. I don't know that I can really give a good a definition of it, but I, I feel like there's something. I know. There's something in me that kind of goes to that type of relationship where I I give a lot whatever I invest a lot of myself into something and then um there's something here that opens me up to being to to draw into that type of situation number one so I think that that the the evangelical churches kind of draw that personality that really just needs to kind of go in and like hear the praise when you do the right things like you heard from them like I'm so proud of Mm -hmm. you who doesn't love to hear that but when you're when you're a person like me, and maybe you're the same way, you can tell me, um, who maybe has a hard time giving myself enough credit that I need a little bit of external, like you're yes, okay, validation, you're, you're good yeah. validation, right, for how I feel. So I don't know. That's one of the things I'm trying to work on me personally, so that I don't get drawn in those same sort of situations again. That. I can listen to my own internal voice. I can trust my own intuition and my own experiences and my own being <laughs> to tell me what's right, what's wrong, um, 
what I should do and not give too much of myself. Like where, where do I stop? And where do I say that's enough? I'm not going to give any more because I can't give any more without it's having an ill effect on me, that type of thing. I don't know. Well, what about this? What about this? Like, uh, I thought that too for a long time. I agree with you. I, I still, to this day, don't give myself enough credit. And that's just on childhood trauma. I and being expected to fail all the time. However, there's been many, many years where I've tried to be like, I have to do this myself. I can't need anybody. I need to be self-reliant. And I am at the point in my life where I realize I cannot do that mm-hmm. and it's okay. So yeah. instead of, I am very codependent. I do, like I said, yesterday it took three people and a meditation session to like bring me back down from the spiral that I had been in for days and days. Um, and you know what? It's I know that that works for me and I need that validation and I'm vocal about that validation and that I need that when I need it. I don't need it every day. If you need it every day, there's something worse. You got to go talk to somebody, you know, but, um, but what I've done now is instead of finding codependent relationships where I'm vetting people more. So like the people that I am codependent with, which would be my friends or my leaders who are helping me, um, I just make sure that they are coming from a space that's in my best interest. Mm -hmm. So it's probably not codependent. That's probably just having good relationships, right? There's a give and a take. Yeah. I mean, there is and there isn't. So like I do depend on other people to get me out of situations. There are certain situations mentally that I cannot get myself out of. Mm -hmm. And I need people to get me out. Now, at the old place, they saw that as an opportunity to create a loving relationship, which would coddle me and mold me, Mm -hmm. right? And so, but that same situation in somebody else's hands are, I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to give you your validation, but I'm also going to point you where you need to be for your own good. So the thing is, is I still do need those people. I still need that. Yeah. I need somebody to tell me I'm doing it right. And not every day, but you know, healthy codependency, I think is important, you know, for me, for my journey, for my, because I have so much that I need to process that I, I do need somebody else. I do need to know. I need that for now. That's part of my healing journey is that I I need to do it with people and I don't want to isolate myself and say, Oh, I need to get my own shit together because I can't, I can't get my own shit together. I can't do healthy for anybody, no, regardless, you know, how they are. So we all need people. It's just a matter of having a, you know, a a healthy reciprocal relationship where you give and you take and you get, you know, everybody is giving and taking and in turn at different times, but hopefully overall mm-hmm. equally right yeah so um look and, for those people yeah with that in mind i've been trying different remedies for um healing or connecting to god mm-hmm. and one of those things i tried uh, a couple months ago was reiki now i had heard about it before um 
And I understood in my head what they would do. Now, have you had Reiki or no? I'm trying to remember. I, I might have had it once. And I have to tell you, it freaked me out or just, and I don't remember if it was that it was a possibility of it happening because I knew the friend practiced Reiki and I was getting a massage from her or I don't, oh, I don't remember. Were... <laughs> I don't remember if I was just afraid it was going to happen or because I was at that point scared or if it really did happen and it freaked me out too. I don't remember, but yeah. So. Well, that's a good thing. To, that's a good thing to talk about now because at that time you were in the church, right? Mm-hmm. When you got this massage. So why was getting Reiki, even like you being afraid she's going to sneak a little Reiki in there on yeah. you? What, why was that so scary? Because any type of that, that energy healing, that type of, I mean, it, it was anything related to new age stuff was so villainized as being of the devil that I mean I just heard it over and over again and when you read like the Frank Peretti books the end times series that he did I don't remember oh, the, title. the end times the end times and, and 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 he um I mean I used to really love those books and that it talks I mean the, the books tell the story of like the unseen worlds and all the demons and the angels that are working behind the mm-hmm. scene and it just is so the demons are so evil and I was just sure that that was what <laughs> doing oh it freaked me out so that that's why just that that indoctrination of it anything new age being evil and bad and of the devil and it's funny because you know they call it new age but it's really older than all of us older than a lot of religions so i'll tell you my experience yep please because it was awesome So, and it's funny you mentioned uh, the massage because a month later I went and got a deep tissue massage because I was just trying to, I've been having these waves of anxiety that last for maybe a week at a time um, each month. And so I was just trying to find what works. The Reiki, I will say hands down, was more, gave me more relief than the physical massage. And physical touch is a big love language for me. And I have been single for like six years. And um, the only real contact I have with people is on church at church on Sunday, when I hug like one or two people. And then when I am a nanny, and I have the baby, like we don't hug in my family, we don't none of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely starved for that. But, but which is why you would think the the massage would be helpful. And it is, yeah. but not like the Reiki. Huh. So I went to um, a friend of mine who it's hard. It was hard a little bit to start because I know her as my friend and now I'm in her business, like laying out on this table. Yeah. So I had my sweats on. You keep all your clothes on. Put the blanket up to like about here and um it starts with like a guided meditation so the, the thing about reiki is they use their hands and they you know which is common in um eastern medicine is like your energy comes through your hands and they're passing their energy from their hands to you and aligning with your your energy, whatever. Mm -hmm. So she started by 
talking me through it, like, you know, sink into the table, feel your body, feel your breath. And then she would not like grab, but like gently touch. And there's, you know, there's seven points to the, to your chakras, right? There's seven chakras, I think. Mm-hmm. Again, not an expert. Please don't quote me on yeah, this. I think you're right. <laughs> um, but I know there's the rainbow. It starts at the, the head, third eye, throat, chest, um, gut, plexus. crotch, you know, yeah. <laughs> all of that. <laughs> so it goes That's down. the technical terms, Carolyn. Those it's are the not. technical terms, right? <laughs> oh, I thought like my crotch chakra. <laughs> My crowd yeah. chakra has been shut down for years. Oh, so <laughs> told you, no filter. Oh. So she starts off and she said, you know, some people experience like visions or hallucinations or colors or whatever. And now for me, whose brain ADHD high never stops. I thought there's no way this is going to, I'm going to be able to be quiet. Or sit still for an hour. But I did. So she started with the head and she just just touched and she was just like, you know, sink into this, blah, 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 blah. When she got to my neck, I mean, it was probably the she spends a few minutes on each point. When she got to my neck, I had relaxed enough where I started seeing colors. They I'm blind, I was blindfolded, which helps. Like you don't have to be, but um, I was blindfolded and inside my eyelids, it was like splashes of color. It was like somebody throwing paint and it was bright, deep purples. And then it was going down and fading into like deep blues and then back up to purple. Wow. Cool. Maybe for like a couple minutes, right. I, I couldn't hold that forever, but you know, that happened. And then when she moved her hands here, I had a very, very extreme reaction that I didn't expect. So when I was in college, I was sexually assaulted. And that feeling of trapped. And she's barely touching me. She's just sending her energy here. And I cannot tell you, even though I knew I could just even just flinch and her hands would be off. Mm-hmm. my brain went to a place where I was like, I felt the cage. I felt trapped. I felt the pressure. I felt all these things flood up, which I was really surprised because, you know, it's been years and years and um, uh, it doesn't really affect me for the most part, other than being cautious around men in general. I was surprised at that, that reaction. It came up and it just was like, I started seeing, it was like scenes were playing out in my mind of people that were more than one, like inappropriate with me or harmful for me um, and kept me caged. So when that happened, it kind of like my brain, she wasn't saying anything other than, you know, come back to your breath. Every few minutes she'd say, come back to your breath, wherever you are, come back, which was good because she had the perfect timing where when I would start to like, feel like I was panicking inside, Mm -hmm. she, her talking to me brought me back. 
And it wasn't like a bad panic. It was like, oh gosh, like I have to face these people again. And it did make me cry a little. And she said that could happen. Like you can have some extreme reactions because you're not just like, oh, I'm taking a rest. Like you're doing work. Your energy is part of you. Yeah. Your energy is part of you. And, and, and the idea of Reiki is healing. And, and it, I didn't realize how much was going to happen in that. So I saw some of my offenders and I saw some other stuff come up and, um, and it was almost like she knew she was like, you know, as these dark, if any dark things come up, just usher them away. They're not bad. They're not good. You know, just let, let it pass through you. Mm-hmm. And I did. And she moved further down and um, then probably at the halfway mark, she switched it up a little and she put crystals on me. So she put a crystal on my head on all the points. Mm -hmm. um, And she said, I'm going to hold your feet. And some people feel a rush come from everything kind of like pull down. I (laughs) didn't feel... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I I was like, I thought I knew what Reiki was, but girl, I guess I didn't. Yeah. (laughs) You're, you're totally informing me. I had no idea it was like this. I I thought I was informed, but you know, so I didn't feel a rush when she held my feet, but like what she was doing was, you know, the different crystals have different energies. And this I do know because I have friends and like, unfortunately, Evan, I couldn't, our schedules just couldn't align, but Evan knows a lot about crystals and he taught me through the years, you know? Um, and so each one has, that's why the different colors have different points and whatever. And so putting those in supposedly your, your energy will flow to those points, point, point, point. And then when she grabs my feet, it's going to pull everything down. Oh, okay. And out. Um, I did feel a lot of activity in my brain. If I know that's hard to explain, um, but I, I felt like things that I needed to deal with or had deal with, held, had dealt with, were just kind of just in a reel in my brain. And when she held my feet, the colors came back. And I, I remember thinking, I have to remember what colors I'm seeing. So the first time it was purple and blue and the second time was white and gold. Oh, interesting. So so I could feel myself starting to shake my head. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to think about these people. Um, And so I redirected my thoughts to try to feel God, right? So I feel like with all these practices they are spiritual they are meant to connect to our higher power however that is Mm -hmm. and in my head I'm going God help tell me what to do tell me what to do yeah tell me what to do and and that's something I pray often just like tell me what to do I want you to tell me and I felt a clear response really I did especially coming from somebody who was told like you don't know if your thoughts are from God. I felt like this was from God and I felt God say to me, you're doing it. What do you want me to do? You're doing it. 
you're doing it. And then all the people from the old church were just coming in my mind. I'm like, yeah, but this happened, you know, like these people, what about them and what they did, you know? And again, a clear answer. And these are only the only two answers I got to these questions. And that's all I needed was, I will never leave you without a hand to hold. So what that means to me, and in my mind, I just kept repeating that. I will never leave you without a hand to hold. I'll never leave you without, I didn't want to forget. And, And what that means is I've had many women throughout the years carry me through different times of my life. And like that codependency, I tell you, like, I need that. I need somebody to carry me. I need somebody to hold my hand. And, um, I, I left that place and I left one of my most cherished, um, ladies who carried me through that dark time, but she passed me off to a new person who's going to carry me through this time, who is carrying me through this time, who is a, each person is appropriate for the section of my life that I'm trying to manage or get, you know, this section of life, like the last person, the last woman from that place, she, even though we talk about the love bombing and the the proud and the, she did fill a void. She was there for all the hugs and all the phone calls and all the love and excited to see me. And I needed that. I needed somebody excited to see me and tell me they love me all the time. And And that healed a huge, huge void in my heart. So losing that person also left a little bit of a hole. Not as big as when I met her, but I saw the exchanging of hands in that session where you know, you know you're in good hands. You know that I've sent you someone else. You can't keep them all. You know, like. And of course I want to, I want to keep them all forever. And most of the women I would say that are in my life that have, have, have been this pillar and this teaching me how to be a good woman and be a, a, Mm -hmm. a safe woman and a, and a strong woman. Most of them are still in my life, even if it's minimal. Mm -hmm. So this last one was the pastor's wife and, and to let go of her being one of my pillars Oh God, that hits different, you know? So I felt that going through this session where I'm going, what about her? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to leave her. And in my heart, I know that she is probably hundred percent fine without me in her life, which kills me inside. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, but she was hurting me in the end because her role was over. Mm-hmm. And it had to be this way because I would have never left her if she, if she had kept, even if it was fake, if she had kept reacting to me the way she had in the beginning, I would have never walked away no matter how toxic it was. Yeah. See, and it I, all happens for a reason and it's for your growth right. and your betterment. So, right. And the only, and she's the reason I hung on and she's the reason I stayed. And, and even though she put me through absolute hell for a year, like mental hell, uh, I, it took that long for me to be like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And so sitting through that, 
or laying through that session, all of those things kind of came into light. And I was able to lay still and just be there with those thoughts. And, and yes, I did cry, not a lot, just a few tears, Steve's, but it was more like a release. It wasn't in deep sadness. It wasn't in um, fear. It wasn't in any of that. It was feeling like I connected to God for even just a minute. Mm-hmm. And feeling that I received the messages that I needed to receive at that time. Yeah. And so I only broke silence once. And I really didn't want to, but I I didn't want to move. I just, it, it's, you almost feel like you can't move. Like you really are in this state of like, you can't even feel your body at some points because it's just like your body's not important at that moment. Huh. It's like you don't. I, I, I don't, I don't know how to explain that. And maybe it's different for other people, but that's yeah. how I felt, you know, you're on this warm table with a warm blanket and you just kind of melt into everything. But I carry my anxiety right over my heart, mm. which is so cliche, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's tight here. It's tight when I'm having this. And it, like I said, it lasts for days and I have shortness of breath. Today's a good day. It's, it has lifted, thank God. But That day I broke the silence and I said, my chest hurts. It's my anxiety. I need you to focus here. So she did more like, she focused more here to just, I was like, that's why I was there. I wanted her to break up that feeling. Give me relief from that feeling for a moment, which it was for a moment and maybe like a couple hours. And then later it did come back because I was already, you know, I was back in the world. Um, so at the end, she did her little singing bowl to kind of bring me out. And you feel a little disoriented because um, now you have to like get up, pay the bill and go in the car and go right. home. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> Which is it's weird. You know, you have to go back to life. And it's, yeah. it, I wish I could have sat in that. Just like, I wish I could have been like, she does do home visits now. Her office, she had to close her office. But I would love it. I'd love to stay like have it done in my home and just stay in that state like okay here I just let yourself out you know but I can't so I she asked me like do you want to share anything about your experience and I said yeah um I saw colors so I told her about the colors and she said like the purple Mm -hmm. is your mind chakra and the blue is your third eye um So what was happening where my mind was bouncing back and forth between my mind and my third eye, it's like my mind is getting in the way of my third eye, which which is your spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. It was getting in the way. That's why it was mostly purple, jumping down to blue, back up to purple, because I'm teetering between the two, trying to open, but my mind is so intense. And, um, and I told her about the the gold and the white. And that is, um, I think she said, was more of a, just part of your soul, just waking up and, and moving through you and kind of cleaning you out, like, energy-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would recommend that to anybody. I, I think 
for especially those of us who are in tune with our feelings and in tune with our higher power, I think Reiki, it's sad that these other churches are like, no, don't touch that. Don't do that. Because I I felt closer to God in those moments than I think, I don't want to say that I've ever felt, but it was a very strong contender and it was very, it was very big deal. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's the, the reason why like I'm pushing and exploring these things because it was such a fear-based avoidance for so long Mm. that I feel like when that's in place, it's like a barrier to something that might be actually very helpful and it's good to explore it. Right. So maybe like a month later, I had gone to Centering Prayer for the first time and it was shared there that somebody else did Reiki and they actually went, it's actually a new place in town, which I'm going to try. I need to try this woman. She's a shaman. Mm-hmm. So do you know what that is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this shaman works at um, Happy Soul in Niantic. And so when I hear the word shaman, I think, okay, this person really is really in tune, really is connected. See, um, I automatically think evil Satan devil. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I but I say, not not I that know. I I know in my mind it's not, and actually I I'm getting more different associations, but that's in my gut. <laughs> so I would go. think that if it was like if I was like I went to a voodoo witch doctor, that would make <laughs> me think like there's only certain things that even I don't screw with, and the number one thing, and I'll tell you this right now, don't ever do it. Ouija board, don't ever do it. I couldn't ever do it. I've I've been don't. scarred. <laughs> from people telling me horror stories you know what and that's that's not on that's not on christianity that's any religion you don't mess with the ouija board period it's one thing we can all agree on don't fuck with that because that is how you get that is a portal it will open i believe that to my core that a ouija board will open a portal because i believe in spirits i believe in ghosts i believe there's a veil and we can come between it and and so this, this person said that they uh, connected with their parent. Um, and this, the shaman actually was a clairvoyant who could connect you to somebody on the other side. Mm-hmm. And they felt like they did. And so I was like, oh my gosh, sign me up for that oh, really? experience. You want to connect with yes. somebody on the other side? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, who? anybody whoever anybody. wants to talk to okay me. you just you just want to make connections that's just you I, yeah literally to a team but the fact is that like I love the idea of mediums I am very skeptical I'll tell you that right now I'm very uh-huh. skeptical of medium but I want to believe because I would love to have validation that we can talk to the other side and we can communicate safely yeah. like Ouija board if you don't know what you're doing, you have no business touching something like that ever. Yeah. A shaman who's, who's has probably has spirit guides and um, mediums have spirit guides um, who protect them from evil and protect them from dark forces. Because I do believe in demons and I do believe that there are evil things out there in the world. There absolutely is. Um, but it's just like, I wouldn't go to the zoo and be like, let me go feed an alligator. Like, Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get my arm bit off. So there are people who are experts in these fields who can um, 
perform these things. And they are taboo for a reason because they can open up dark things. But in the right appropriate hands, they can be used for good. And we, it doesn't have to be something like, <gasps> it's like, never go on a boat, it could sink. Like, well, yeah, if right. you have people that know what they're doing, then, then they can guide you in and, and you can be a great experience. So mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for these days. So I'd like to go see this woman because I think I'll have a completely different experience with this woman um, because of what she knows and how she connects. And maybe mm-hmm. if I go to another Reiki master, um, I'll have a different experience with them because it's all about how they're channeling energy or right. and connecting it to your energy. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Yep. So I, I big fan, 10 out of 10 would recommend <laughs> of Reiki. Well, I mean, I have been, I mean, cause I tend to be more, uh, I, I like to explore ideas more than experience them. So I have read um, a bit on Reiki and I am fascinated by it because I, I feel a little bit drawn to that, that, that healing work. I, I feel like I have a, a leaning towards that, a, a sensitivity that um, more so than most people towards feelings, emotions, energies I, I feel like anyhow so I feel a little bit of a drawler like I could do something like that and to, to get a little weird I too like when I as I watch like a priest go up and perform like a you know their priestly liturgies and everything mm-hmm. I just can so see myself doing that but doing it and how do I even put this like in a way that carries a spiritual presence to it? Like, I feel like I could embody that very well and bring in a spiritual presence. I just have that, that feeling. And I don't know what that is. That's why I've like considered maybe I should, you know, um, go in and, and be an Episcopal priest. I've considered that before. Um, just because I can envision and just see myself being that type of, I don't know, just like I, I can provide vessel. That. Yeah. I don't know. So whatever yeah. that is, what it is. No, that is, that's <laughs> legit. And I think, I think uh, that's part of the reason why I wanted to be in leadership as well too, because, and I think, uh, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but would you consider yourself an empath? I think so. I mean, there's so much, there's so much talk of that online, right? And I don't know, some of it's, I don't, I don't know what to think, but I'm definitely something of that for sure. I like, do, do you pick up on other people's emotions oh. and you feel for them and um, yeah. like you internalize that? So yeah, you are. That's a real yeah. thing, even if it's oversaturated in the social media. But so yeah. that's why you feel that connection, because if you're an empath and you really, truly feel, which I believe you are, and mainly I believe that because just the fact that you left your um, religious tradition in search of truth and love. And most people I've found really just want to be told what to think and do. And Mm -hmm. for people like us who feel things on a really deep level, whether you're introverted or extroverted, um, we do feel that connection to spirit more 
intensely. And so that is, that is, was the driving force. I would feel confident to say that, that drove you out of the church Mm -hmm. because there's more to this. And the fact that you're trying to open up to other ways and unlearn these restrictions and these open these locked doors, it's because you know something else is out there and you you want to connect to that and priests connect to that and preachers connect to that because they've unlocked that that's that soul bond with their creator i think mm-hmm. and that's why they can preach because they they understand that the spirit is bigger bigger than all of us and 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 that we're all connected so i think if you had a reiki session or or even explored multiple different ways that people connect to spirit, like uh, like the me- the meditation of monks, mm-hmm. or um, things like that. I just I think you should try to experience things. I know you like to read about them, but and it's I'm scary I think, to experience things. I know. I'm so I, fearful. It's that that's the I, thing I need to let go that, of that. But but you got to give yourself a break because you were taught to be afraid. Oh yeah, I know. Totally. I mean, you were number one taught to be afraid. Number two, love God. Yeah. One fear two, love. And that is wrong. And so that takes a lot of work to undo, but just the fact that you're willing to reading and researching is the first step to then getting to that experience. Mm -hmm. So you're on the right track. And so don't feel bad that you're like, you're not moving faster. Cause look what I did. I went way too fast and then I completely crashed and melted down. Yeah, <laughs> so, oh. But I'm used to doing that, you know, and I'm, I know I'll bounce back and that's fine, but I, I would super encourage you to, to try this. So I will, I will try the Reiki at some point. Definitely. I have an interest. It's just a matter of getting to a place where I, you find time and energy to do that. But I did go to a tarot session. So that was something. That was my next me. question. Yeah, because tarot <laughs> is not so much a, a spiritual experience. It's more of fortune telling, right? Uh, kind of. A very, very general advice type of fortune. It's not like right. I tell you your fortune was going to happen in the future, but it's like this is the types of themes you can Mm-hmm. you know, experience or anyways, that, yeah, they, they answer so ex- questions, but explain to me, um, how your experience went and what your intentions are, because I know you have to set an attention intentions mm. for tarot. This one was different. I mean, it was, um, the one, the one that I went, I, I went to two actually. <laughs> so, um, you're uh, on your way. <laughs> well, two I went with tarot. I did. Well, I went with a um, with two other friends the first time, and then um, some other of our group of friends wanted to go as well, so we went with them a second time. Um, so it, so you this know, was a group thing. Yeah, which was okay. nice. It was nice to have company. I wasn't doing it alone. Um, but yeah, so it went in, and it was a new year. Turn of the new year was in January. So the answer, like, you know, what, what are you going to, the, the spread was supposed to read three answer to questions, like three questions, like, what are you going to supposed to leave behind in 2021? Um, mm-hmm. What are to take forward in 2022? Something like along those lines. I don't remember exactly the, there were four questions now. I don't remember them, but um, 
but I, what I, what I experienced was that it actually like spoke to me, right? Like I, I was like, I can see that that's completely, I, I mean, that's very relevant for where I'm at, very relevant. Um, and I'm not going to go into the specifics cause it's personal stuff, but it was right. very relevant. And, and I was talking about it with my friends afterwards about, and I just was saying how, um, the thing that intrigues me is how it is it that it becomes like how does that happen right like what is happening in there like what is the what is actually happening you have the tarot cards which are um you know these different kind of archetypal figures that all carry a certain meaning behind them or stand for certain things and and you can apply that kind of view that archetype that approach to different scenarios in your life and you kind of make these associations and it speaks to you um so uh, the, what i was you know hypothesizing was that really it, it comes down to the person who enters into that reading and how they're going to take it if you're one of the a type of person who goes in and can take meaning is open to meaning as it's being relayed to you all those cards do is just open up like um kind of a, it's it's like a, a creative stimulus like think on this issue and here's like a, a, a limitation and, and then and then all of a sudden your brain fills in and your your subconscious and your spirit fills in all the rest of the things that you need to hear along those lines so it just kind of stimulates the answers to things that you should you need to look at um so i don't know that there's any necessarily any magic in there any like maybe there's spiritual guidance i don't know but i feel like if you're looking scientifically i would say that's a real a real thing that's happening um and i was just fascinated that it really did speak to me both times and you liked it i did um I did. There were, I had a little bit of a freak out moment in the first one, like sitting there going kind of like the anxiety, panicky feeling like, yeah. where's the door? How can I get out of this without making a scene really quick <laughs> kind of thing? Um, but it subsided and, and it was fine. But um, I feel like I conquered one of my fears by doing that. And That's I cool. I good about it. I don't know that I'll go have tarot readings and I'll feel specifically drawn to, to them, but um but it, I'm glad I had the experience, so. Me too, because I think for you, overcoming those um, old past fears that are now outdated for you is, mm -hmm. is huge. For me, tarot, I like tarot. I look at it the way I look at horoscopes. They're mm -hmm. for fun. They're kind of general. I can probably fit them um, into what I'm thinking doing and and I've I've found that most of that you know I had asked the last place why do you guys hate tarot and they're like well you're not meant to know the future and and most of the time when when I've had tarot readings they're really just telling me like where I'm at I'm like I already know where I'm at you know <laughs> and, and so for me it's just like oh it's like a cute little fun thing but there are people who take it very very seriously and and that works for them. What was explained to me is that um, when you set your intention, um, the person reading you the tarot connects to their spirit guide. Again, there's always with this, I think that's why probably why um, the Baptists don't like, evangelicals don't like it because you're not connecting to God. There are spirit guides on the other side. 
yeah. that because God has other crap to do. And, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like how we have our guardian angels, you know, mm-hmm. spirit guides are, are there to do the healing work and they come from angels come from God and whatever. So they're there to show you what you need to see. If you want so to you see be- it, you believe that there are spirit guides and I do, you know, helper spirits and angels and, and things like that. I do. Yeah. Do you believe in angels? I don't know. Like I think the, the jury's out on that one for me. Um, I, well, angels I, are in the Bible. Sure. But as far as being able to call on them for help anytime, like I, some of the new mm-hmm. age stuff does, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't see why not, but, um, I don't yeah. call on them. I believe in angels. I pray to God. I call on God, but I do believe that angels and spirit guides are there, um, just as helpers. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe you're lost in the city. Like I was one time <laughs> lost in Harlem oh, as a little me and two of my other friends who were very white and we were lost in the heart of Harlem and a, we had been lost for like three hours. And I think we were just going deeper and deeper and we were just like, I was just praying. I was like, please, like, give me an out. Show me which way to go. We had got off the subway and held the map upside down. So, yeah, we were young and stupid. But it was dark now. And this this taxi on the other side of the road, we were walking this way, other side of the road, taxi going this way, screeches to a halt in the middle of the road. And it's a woman, thank God. And she was Mexican. And she's like, you three now in my car now. Oh, really? And and we were, we hadn't seen a taxi for a long time. So we hustled across the street. We got in the car and she's like, what are you guys doing down here? And we're like, we are lost. And she's like, yeah, you are, you know, she goes, I shouldn't even be down here. And I was like, holy crap. This was back in like 2007. And she got us to the hotel that we were staying at, which I got because it was cheap. And, you know, obviously almost, we almost died. People were like, saying things to us on the street and like making comments to us. And like, that's a moment where I feel like, okay, an angel has stepped in Mm -hmm. and like, you know, yes, I'm praying to God, but he sent somebody else. Like that woman, like she just spotted us glanced and was like, Whoa, these kids are going to get killed here. And she was not wrong. You know? So do I believe that that was a God moment or an angel moment. I don't know who's responsible, but I have heard of, I've, I've heard stories where um, friends were walking home and they didn't feel right. And a person came up and like showed them the way. And then they turned around, went around the corner and they disappear. So was that an angel? Was that a spirit? Was that, you know, yeah, there's too many questions, right? I, b- I want to believe all of that. So I'll, d- I'll that's why, you know, you know, that's why I'll- I want to do the, the, that's why I want to hear from a medium because yeah. I feel like a medium or, you know, something like that who can validate like, oh, your grandma says like, blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. it's something only she would say, or, you know, yeah, your grandma's watching your YouTube videos or something like that. Yeah. Because she used <laughs> to help me with them. Something like that, where I can be like, okay. Like all I want is that one session, that one moment where I can go, 
this is real. There is another plane. There is something else. Yeah. Um, I don't want to see a ghost. I always pray to God. I'm like, look, I want to know the truth, but I don't want to see it. Yeah. I can't. (laughs) I'll I'll never sleep again. I I don't even sleep in the dark. I sleep with lights on, like not like full lights, but I, because I don't want to see an apparition. I don't know if they're real, but if they are, I don't want to see them. Yeah. But I do want to know if they're there. (laughs) <laughs> but I also sometimes feel like they're there. So it's like, oh, God. Oh, my goodness. There's just so many things we don't know. And there's so many planes of existence. And I mean, if we have the capacity to believe in God, mm-hmm. then why wouldn't we have the capacity to believe in spirit and, and spirit yeah. guides and angels and demons and, and things that we can't explain? Yeah. I, I've just, I've always had this sense and I, I think it was fostered in me because it's, I was just so heavily involved in church since the time I was born, this belief that there is something beyond the physical world that we, we live in, that there, um, that I just, that, that part has been more real to me over my entire growing up and my life than sometimes the real here and, you know, physical stuff that's right in front of me. I'm right. very rich internal life, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> I know what that's I'm, like. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, you know, so of course that feels just natural to me. And yeah, I've had a lot of God moments where I truly know that I have felt the presence of God and have known yeah. it. And yeah, so I think that's what keeps us connected is that we remember those moments and we know what those moments are. And um, one thing I was thinking about recently is I don't want to deconstruct to the point where I lose God. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm about to start a new treatment for my anxiety, which is very scientific. Um, it is a, it's called neurofeedback and somebody's going to put little stickies on my head and map my brain mm-hmm. and see where my pathways, my physical pathways are in trouble. And essentially it's going to reroute me somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like when you read about being mindful and in the, in the Eastern traditions of, you know, you have to reset your pathways. Mm-hmm. That's a physical thing. That's a real thing in your brain. There's real grooves in your brain that your thought process every time you think that way gets deeper and deeper and you automatically go there Mm -hmm. which is part of your indoctrination which is part of where your fear comes from Mm -hmm. this treatment which could take up to 30 treatments i just talked to the woman last night it's like five ten minutes of treatment they kind of zap it away so you go a different way and they can pinpoint in yeah they can pinpoint in the brain which places does that? Because I was like, I don't want to lose my personality and I don't want to like, you know, I talked to my pastor about this because I was like, uh, is this playing God? Like, is this, is this something? But I think it's something that'll really help me. And I, even though I kind of had already decided I was going to do it again, that knee jerk reaction is I should ask permission, not permission, but like, kind of ask permission like do you think this is something I should do as a person of faith like Mm -hmm. 
And, and the answer was yes. And, and, you know, I, I technically I was going to do it anyway, but you know, you just want that validation. So as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, well, you know, at, at the evangelical church, they would have said, well, God will heal your pathways. God will change that. Well, no, I'm going to go to this person's office and they're going to put electrodes in my brain and re literally rewire my brain. I mean, is, is God in that? Maybe. Yeah. That he allowed us to show us how to do that. Or so I have to change my thinking from with them where they would be like, God will heal you. Yeah. And then, and then go into this new space where God is in the science. Well, God is in everything. And right. You know, it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I carried so much fear about medication for so long and vaccines even. And mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of fear with that because it wasn't of God. It was a man-made um, solution and you can't trust man. And I mean, all this thing. Man wrote the Bible, baby. Well, I mean, that's the yeah, thing. Only under God's, you know, blessing and direction, right? So like, but then how do you know what's God directed and what isn't? The only way you know is by... Yeah. <laughs> By using your brain, the brain you got, that, that God gave you. That was and... always my question. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know what's of God and what's not? Because yeah. I've had people, I had people back then be like, God told me you're going to meet the man you married this year. And that was three years ago. And I don't want to marry a man. So, yeah. so what's up with that? And it, <laughs> yeah. And everybody's like, oh, that came from, you know, so-and-so. And he is really dead on. Like he's really connected to God and this and that. Cool. Yeah. I remember thinking to myself, he ain't right. Yeah. But, but not only did he believe that he spoke to God, everyone around him was like, oh yeah, you can trust him. He's definitely talking to God. Um, but like, maybe sometimes he does. Yeah. But, sure. but you are the, the receiver of that information. If it doesn't sit well with you, then you know, best of all, not the other you do right that's i yes but they tried to tell me that i i don't know and yeah, that i, I don't know. know and i need to listen to the people that came before me and who have, do, have been doing this longer which is not valid either no uh -uh. i mean you know it's not it just isn't it? <laughs> uh, nope <laughs> it's just it just opens you up to so many problems i just keep going back to that that's been the biggest thing yeah is I just, from that whole lifestyle is, is me giving away my own personal authority on things and my own validating my own experiences and giving power over to other people. And I just, I'm kind of done with that. Good. <laughs> Anyways, so Good. yeah. No, and that's, that's the journey, right? Is, is taking back your power, taking back your voice and setting boundaries. And that's hard. Even for someone like me who has a big mouth, mine is boundaries. I have no problem voicing my thoughts, but the boundary parts, cutting off everybody, which I have done now, like, even though they weren't talking to me, I knew they could see like me on social media. So removing them from my digital footprint was really hard for me. And, but 
it did make me feel freer. And now I'm just advocating for other people, like do that thing, cut those ties. And I'm not saying build walls, but just associate, put energy and love into the people that are going to support you and, and, and do it the way you want to do it. Not, not, no, that's not what I want to say. Who respect the way that you're taking on your journey. Yeah, sure. Yep. So, yeah. Speaking of your own way of taking on a spiritual journey, one thing that I'm kind of fascinated by is um, this term. That I'm not sure there's one way to 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 know what this means, but the sacred arts. I love that term and what that might entail as as far as building one's own rituals, one's own sacred arts to bring you into the presence of God in everyday life. So like, for example, having a home altar where you just okay. have a space where you go to pray, you light a candle, you, you know, have some flowers, you have whatever, you know, those types of things that, um, that you can do personally that are meaningful to you um, in your own home. I just, I love that idea. And, and it can encompass so many things from these different practices that we're talking about of Reiki, of right. maybe, maybe even taking out a tarot card every morning and like reading Oof. it and being like, okay, how yeah. can I think through what, how can this apply to me in my area, you know? Setting intentions, yep. Setting intentions, you know, and asking myself, what is it that I wanna bring to God this morning? How do, what do I wanna move forward in my life with and how it, how am I going to um, connect with God in life and, and co-create in this life together with God? That's a big question. It is a big question. Where That's did you hear about this sacred one. arts? It is, absolutely. I don't even remember. It was something I read online. It was like an article. I think somebody who, who does some sort of sacred arts practice and I just, it opened up, I love that, that term because I think it, a lot of things fit into it. And I love anything that mm -hmm. could fit into that, like the exploring the different rituals and ways to connect with God, um, different theologies, different doctrines, different, I, I just love it. I love exploring those possibilities and seeing, um, I just feel like each one that I explore kind of opens up a new window of like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. That is true. That's what I've experienced there. You know, reading like a, a Buddhist, like the, the Tao Te Ching, I can't even say it, yeah. but you know, and reading like, and be like, oh, I recognize that. And that's what yeah. I've experienced with Jesus. When I, you know, I've had these, these interactions with Jesus over the years, I see that there. And Anyways, I just am I'm fascinated by it. And I love to continue to explore them all and talk about them. And I think with, with that stuff is like when you're recognizing God in other religions and stuff like that, it's, it reminds you that it, there isn't one way. There's so many ways. And yes. it's, it really is, I don't want to say the same, but there are similarities and there are likenesses in, in every corner of this earth. It's not just you get dunked on the altar and you're the only one saved, you know? Yep. I do have a, not, I wouldn't say it. I kind of call it an altar, but it's sort of a shelf and I'm looking at it right now. And um, I don't pray on it. I just have like my special things 
So I have like the first cross anyone ever gave me and um, a picture of my sister-in-law when I found out she was going to become my family. It's a picture of her with her engagement ring. Um, I have a Buddha, a couple resting Buddhas up there. Um, I have a Mary Magdalene candle that somebody gave me just because, you know, I I thought it was funny when people like, oh, you can't pray to saints or like saint candles are wrong. Oh, shut up. I have a glow in the dark mother Mary, which we, (laughs) yeah, which we used to call, well, we call her glow in the dark Mary. And I remember showing her to my friend, the deacon, and she's like, that is not okay. And I was like, oh, wow, really? it's Mother Mary. It's literally, she's green. She's just all green. Like you can charge her and at night she glows. Like, <laughs> and she goes, Carolyn, that's so wrong. And I'm like, I'm going to just send this picture to you every day. <laughs> um, she, they really pushed for me to take down like my Buddhas and my glow in the dark Mary. And I was like, never. Uh, um, yeah. And then there's a picture I did in the art class with them with an alien abducting a moose. So <laughs> if that's any indication of like uh, where my spiritual mind is, oh, and, and there's a mermaid up there too. So whatever oh, you want to, whatever you want to connect with, it's something for everybody oh, or every it. corner of my mind, you know, but oh, well, there's a lot more exploring to do. Yeah. So once I do my uh, second Reiki with this shaman, I'll definitely want to report back to, to, to comment on the difference mm-hmm. um, in styles and whatever. Um, so, yeah, very curious what else this shaman does. Like, does she take people on these like shamanic journeys? I've heard that like the sh- shamanic journeying where they they kind of beat the drum and it takes you into an altered state of consciousness and you travel to other places well it's funny you say that the drum thing because there are drums at this church that i guess the old spiritual director used to use Mm -hmm. and i was like we should do that like i love that they have so many different ways to like we do say namaste sometimes we do deep breathing in church like Mm -hmm. we have mindful moments and like you mentioned the drum circle like that was one of the activities they did outside of you know, during fellowship or whatever. And, you know, it's nice to just know that people are open to trying different ways to connect. That's, and that's how it should be. Yeah, that is nice. Real quick though, before we go, I'd love to know where you are on your Lent journey on your atheism journey of Lent. Oh, I have nothing to report um, because fired. No, just kidding. Yeah, I know. Well, I I started it and um, I just had a lot of stuff to deal with. It was too heavy of a topic for me to take off moment, so I had to put yeah. it aside. And uh, I'm always consuming some type of information, and I just had to trade it out for something a lot lighter. <laughs> yeah. That book that you so. uh, told me to read, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, mm-hmm. I have not made it through that book for the same reason. I heavy. would listen. Yeah. I would listen to one chapter at a time, and after that, I'd, it'd be like an intense show or something. I'd have to stop it and like wait a couple weeks and then do another one because yeah. there's just so much in in healing work that you really have to pace yourself. And even though you are giving up God for Lent it's still mm-hmm. your healing work and yeah. it's, it's something that you have to pace yourself, you know, so you don't get, so you don't get turned off by it completely. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I do have all the readings now and I just might do them at a different time as I, as I feel that I can move through them. But yeah, right. I mean, talking atheism and working through all those tough questions is, is, was a little heavy for me to yeah, that's like the, at the polar moment. opposite of where you came from. So that's a lot to digest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but it's one of those other fear points for me. The idea of life without God, like if there's no, what if there's no God? Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah that, that was, that oh my was, God. I, life without God. Oh my God. <laughs> so. Yeah, that would, yeah, there's something. I just know that there's something. Maybe we have it wrong. Maybe it's, but, but there's not, something. There's, yeah, I don't think that I would ever move to the other side, but I definitely do want to know how the other side thinks. And I'm, yeah. I feel like that's an important and, and, and good thing to look into because it might change the way that I think about things, but I can't ever deny my experiences of God. So I think I'm stuck there. It's just okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> but I think that concludes today. I think we got a lot of good stuff out. Um, and going forward, I just want to be a little bit more relaxed and less, like I said at the beginning of this, I just want to, I think I was getting too academic with, with how I was thinking about coming at the podcast, but really it's a discussion and, and this organic conversation feels much better and meaningful and hopefully helpful for other yeah. people too, because it's, it's just another reminder that, you know what, some days I'm not going to put on my makeup and I'm not going to get dressed and I'm not going to brush my hair, but because healing and self-care don't always happen yeah. and I'm dealing with other stuff or, you know, so I appreciate the space and I appreciate that anybody listening, even if it's just you, Faith, yep. <laughs> okay. it's good but, to have these conversations and talk it through. So, yeah. Yep. Every day is a chance to learn something new and make our lives a little bit easier and better. And that's what we're trying to do here. Yep. Like so join job. us. I don't know what we'll talk about next time. Um, I'm sure it'll pop up and we'll just go with the flow. We'll let the spirit lead. Amen. Amen. Preach. <laughs> Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Cut. Ha, ha, ha.